ghost note is a note that's played, but goes unnoticed. Like so much of the work that goes into music before it hits our eardrums. I'm Hannah Copeland. Join me for unpredictable interviews about the formative moments that drive music makers. This is Ghost Notes from the Fountain City Frequency Podcast Network. Big fish, little pond, trying to swim with them. We tread in water, then we swim different. Rapping on my own terms, it ain't hard to tell them. Make a pen different. You make some shit, I make difference. It's like a picture when I get the pen and words. Never slipping through the cracks. Renegade, I get to Eminem and all of them. Morgan Cooper, also known as Barrel Maker, is a Kansas City hip hop MC and filmmaker. A man of many talents and names, he usually goes by his last name, Cooper. He released his second full-length album with producer Conductor Williams this year. It's called Black Flannel 2 for the Imperfect for the Diligent. Right now, he's making music with Lion, a DJ based in Lawrence, Kansas. Thanks for being on Ghost Notes, Cooper. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, music, I bleed deep music, talking shit. At least he proved it. No silver spoon and growing up. It was leaky roof and grits around my noodles. And if someone told me no, I started looking for some loopholes. On your song, Clarify... On your most recent album, there's a line that says, you grew up with a leaky roof and grits and ramen noodles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but when someone told you no, you started looking for some loopholes. Let's let's start right there. What was it like growing up? Sure, yeah. Um, well, when I wrote that line, that was uh, that was definitely highlighting a particular point in my life. And it was, it's kind of a long story, but I ended up, uh, it was just me, my sister, and my dad when we lived in Grandview in this um, apartment complex called Oak Tree Square. And it was... It was definitely like a, it was slums. I mean, I remember um, my sister, her, uh, the corner of her room was always leaking and it was really bad. It was like, you know, it was like a white ceiling, but it was like brown and this one corner was looked like it fell in because mm-hmm. it was leaking and it was constant, you know, leaking everywhere. And, and so she had the room with the leaky ceiling and I had the room with the uh, roaches in my, the paint could not stay on my walls. So I, that's, that's what that's highlighting in that particular situation. Um, but through that, you know, like we, we really appreciate everything we had. And like, that's, you know, it was just my dad supporting us at the time. And, you know, that's the home he provided and we always had food on the table. And so it could have been way worse. It was just a situation that I'm in hindsight, I'm thankful for because it makes me very appreciative of the things I have now. And, uh, you know, it, it keeps you grounded, you know, remembering those times. So, uh, yeah, that's what that line's about. But it was always, when I talk about start looking for some loopholes, it's just, always you know this may be the situation we're in now and i'm in now but like you know one day you'll you know you find a way out and uh you know thankfully i don't have to you know live in those conditions but that's just how it was at the time so in myself right just because i search for deeper meaning in the life i live see i'm trying to barter with my soul i never strike a deal mine is unconventional but twice as real so two times for your thoughts three times for the item four times for the cost huh what's your price Highest bit of going once, going twice, all thank you and good night. Growing up, was it, it was just you, your father, and your sister together? For part of it, for part of it. Um, my childhood was really, was really strange. Um, you know, my dad uh, was 50 when he had me. And so right off the bat, you're, you know, I'm around an older gentleman who's very, very old school. And he wasn't, you know, it wasn't a situation, I have uh, uh, seven siblings, and, you have um, seven siblings. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. And so, but it wasn't a situation where, 
it was like because I was the youngest. It was like, oh, you know, like let's let's baby. You know, he's the youngest. It was like it was a very much a get with the program type of situation. My brother Lloyd, he's actually 26 years older than me. And so and I have a nephew who's a week younger than me and a niece who's f- four years older than me. Mm-hmm. And so it was it was just this really, really strange dynamic, but it was always very much of like a get with the program type of thing. And, um, you know, I got bossed around a lot growing up, <laughs> you know what I mean? By, I got, by who? Everyone, everyone, my sister. I was the youngest, you know, so, you know, I'd uh, it definitely made me more independent in a lot of ways. And I always said to myself growing up, I was just like, and, you know, I love them. I love them. I was just, I was the youngest. And so I kind of got, you know, I kind of got, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they picked all of you. It's all good, though. Um, but I always said to myself, you know, I, I just I was excited to get older and, you know, become my own become my own man and just, you know, kind of pave my own path. But with that, in terms of all the like cultural types of things I got to experience, you know, I mean, I have, you know, I have family who are still in the streets, you know, and I also have family who, you know, my my brother Drew, you know, runs a really successful tech company in North Carolina. You when know? you say family in the streets, what, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, I mean, my brother, uh, he was a gang member. And um, he doesn't anymore, but that was that was the life he lived. And um, so I didn't see him for a lot of my childhood. You know, I mean, I saw him, but not a lot just because, you know, he he did time. And, you know, that was just the path he decided to take, Um, which, you know, every that's just I'm trying to think. Sorry, (laughs) I wasn't expecting to talk about this. You know, and I've cousins and who, you know, are still, you know, experiencing rougher times, you know, on the east side of Kansas City. Uh, It's just, yeah. But I'm really thankful that, you know, my dad really made it a point early to, you know, keep me on the straight and narrow. I wasn't perfect, but, you know, there was never any point I was, you know, dodging bullets or anything like that mm-hmm. you know i i'm really really thankful for that Kansas city put them guns up put them guns up i'ma drop a little knowledge on the system Asshole truth, I can see inside a prison by the time I kick the bucket While my country wanna see me in them cuffs Reason why I'm saying cops don't trust me On the song, Guns Up, you're calling out to Kansas City to stop violence and put their guns up, quite literally. Is gun violence something you think about a lot? Yeah, absolutely. Gun. I mean, gun violence is, that's America. You know what I mean? People people love guns here, and that's that's the way a lot of people think that their problems should be solved. And it all comes from fear, in my opinion. Um, I just think, you know, it comes to a certain point where it's like, where does diplomacy and just, you know, the 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 the, the, the uh, train of thought that cooler heads prevail, you know what I mean? And somebody can have a conversation about something or someone can communicate intelligently with another human without having to shoot them. You know, or have without having to, you know, resort to lethal, uh, lethal violence. So uh, it's just sad to see, and so many, you know, so many lives are cut short by it just because, in the heat of the moment, someone pulls the trigger. Once again, it's it's just a really sad thing that hits close to home in a lot of ways because it's all around us, be it you know between 
police and civilians, you know, I mean, what just happened in uh, Louisiana and um, Minnesota at the police stops, I mean, that's nothing new. The only difference now is that there are cameras everywhere that capture it, but it's been happening for years and years and years and years. It's been, my dad dealt with it, you know, my grandfather, you know, it's just, it's just innate with America, so. Did your dad deal with that while you were growing up? Yeah, there was a particular um, there was a particular situation that took place when I was seven, and um, he was pulled over right before we uh, the Grandview police uh, like really harassed my dad growing up. I remember that they harassed my dad growing up. They would always follow him up Main Street um, as we pulled into uh, Oak Tree Square. They would always follow him and then wait till the last second and just turn off. Just kind of like a, a keep you in check type of thing. And I and I moved to Grandview later on in my life. I lived there um, when I was I was twenty when I moved back to Grandview. And honestly, yeah, they did the same thing to me. Really? Yes. Yeah, they would follow me, and then they would turn off and they'd pull up real close to me. And I thought I was gonna get flicked, and they would just pull off. And so um, there was one particular instance uh, when I was seven when we were pulling in, and they pulled us over. And he came over, and he had his hand on his pistol, and my dad just was a statue. I'll never forget it. His hand was on the wheel, and, you know, he the officer taps on the window, and my dad rolls it down just very slow. Everything he did was just, like, in slow motion. rolls it down. The officer's like, license registration. And then my dad's like, may I reach? You know what I mean? And the officer's like, very, very, very slowly. And so he does. It was, like, so much tension right on my sister's crying i remember my sister chloe just bawling next i'm just really confused with what's happening and so i'm just kind of like it was like a really surreal moment and so the officer goes back and then two more police cars pull up so he asked for like for whatever reason and he made us get out of the car and he wanted to search the car there's nothing in there you know i mean my dad is real stand-up dude there was nothing in there and then he finally let us go after like 30 minutes and then we pulled in and that night we had a that was when he kind of gave me the talk of just, hey, like, you know, you're <laughs> being uh, a person of color, you know, the rules are different and you have to uh, you have to behave a certain way to stay alive in a lot of situations. So that's the talk. Yeah, that was the talk. And where you just said, you know, around police, you have to be a statue. And I asked him why. He's just like, because this is America. It's just the way it is. And, uh, you know, don't reach you know, or move quickly or don't, you know, don't talk back. Just get home alive. Just take your ticket and get home. And, you know, it's just something that was constantly reinforced as I was growing up. And, I, you know, I remember he was really, really, like, nervous and anxious when I first got my permit and then my license, you know, of just really making sure to drill the enemy. Just like, son, just be careful because, you know, one false move and, you know, you just never know what could happen. So, and, you know... Police do great things every day in America. You know, it's just based off history and, like, what history has shown. I just, like, ah, man. Do you feel safe driving around in America? Um, I, I don't feel as safe as I know I should feel. I feel like you're, you should want to feel safe around these people, but I don't, you know what I mean? It's like, I just, I just don't, you know, you kind of become used to it, which is not good, but you just, you just know how to, to deal with, you know, you deal with it and you move on. I don't, 
I don't I try not to just let it overwhelm me all the time and just walk around pissed. Yeah. But uh there there are days where, you know, it wears on me more than others, especially with what ha- what's happened the past few days. It's been very difficult. You know, we talked about this before we started the podcast. On you know, waking up was very like I woke up in a like in a dream world, just like it's just like a wound that just keeps being reopened every time this stuff happens and you know, these awful cell phone videos of someone being murdered mm-hmm. you know and pinned down and you just just think to myself like god if i was you know if that was my brother you know or you know or my father just mm-hmm. in that situation just just horrific and i can't you know that wouldn't have happened if that that person uh was caucasian most likely so it's just crazy Kansas City, put them guns up. East side, put them guns up. And West side, put them guns up. Now I really put them guns up. song out the blue you're talking directly to a friend and you say i know you've never had a father in your life but i do was it unusual in your friend group to to not have fathers around amongst a certain amongst uh so i had several different friend groups growing up you know all you know the athletes you know guys who are more a little bit rough around the edges and then you know kind of the more what people would call like the nerdy crowd you know i kind of I was the type of dude that floated amongst these crowds because I felt like I could relate to all of them in one way or another. Why do you think you felt like you had that ability to float around between groups? I think at an early age, I just realized we're all the same. What do you mean by that? You know, whether we all just want to feel included in a part of something, you know, and I feel like I've always been the type of person to see that in people, you know, that we're all just, you know, I'm, I'm biracial. Right. And so like with that, there's already, you know, there's two dynamics there from a racial standpoint of, you know, um, my mother's white, my dad's black. And so um, from that standpoint, I feel like you you have uh, a pretty deep perspective at a young age about, you know, different cultures and things that different people experience and you're able to relate and understand easier, I feel. At least in my experience. Uh. Before we knew it, five years passed by. It's funny how the time fly. I had to move away. You was making honor all good grades. We was hooping on the weekends and the summer days. It's crazy how everything changed all of a sudden. You called me one night, something happened to your cousin. A stray bullet hit him, they was aiming for your brother. Now he's six feet under, off of nothing. You told me you retaliated, got yourself a pistol, and you ducked, and then you hung up. Before we could discuss it, then you blocked my number. What the fuck? Black Final to the recent album, it's it's really has a lot of moments of darkness. It's it's overall an, a really dark album, but there are a lot of moments of joy um, in it, especially the song Frequent Flyer. Yeah, yeah. That's a fun song. <laughs> yeah. Um, would you call it, is it a dark album? Um, 
it's tough to say because you know, like, uh, there it definitely has its it's it's definitely very moody in a lot of parts, and you know, it's I don't know about dark. It's just real. Right. <laughs> you know, what I mean, everything that's in there. I mean, this isn't stuff I feel like I'm pulling out of the sky. Granted, like, you know, it may be dark sonically. You know, with what the the landscape that Conductor Williams laid out with the sounds and the tones and you know is is sample selection so from that standpoint i definitely think it's very moody um but everything i'm saying is just honest <laughs> so like you know i kind of leave that to a listener to determine whether it's quote-unquote dark or if it's just real so maybe just the realness is dark you know the when i'm talking you know the subject matter may be considered dark but from my perspective it's just real it's just stuff that is around me and stuff that i see and stuff that i observe and feel your voice is really steady when you rap. It's not hyped. You don't yell. You don't have a hype man behind you. Um, <laughs> not yet, at least. Who yeah. knows? Um, and But a lot of rap is really grandiose, larger than life, people yelling and sirens going off everywhere. Mm. Um, do you ever feel pressured to give audiences that big sound that they might expect as opposed to your calm, thoughtful tone? No, I don't. I definitely don't feel pressure it's just organic you know I'm not trying to be anyone I'm not you know I'm not a big grandiose person you know I'm a you know I'm a art kid <laughs> you know I'm, I'm an art kid and uh just low-key you know who listens to jazz and likes coffee you know I'm not I'm not like you know I'm not at the clubs I don't club I don't go right. out a lot and party I'm just like a pretty low-key dude and so like in some of my tracks you know they bang hard in others but it's me you know and that that kept me away from rapping for the longest time. Like before I met uh, Conductor Williams, um, I didn't do it because I I knew I wasn't that big grandiose, right? You know, type of dude, yeah. and I'll never be that. <laughs> um, but you know, meeting him and talking to him and you know, listening, you know, understanding that there was someone in town who cared, who's just about the music and about making the music he wanted made. It, it really, it really let me know that. You know, I, I can have a voice in this and I can, you know, I can share my music honestly and not I don't have to try to fit into a box or be someone I'm not. Midwest, East Coast, West Coast, down south, tell them that we gon' rise up. Every city, every block in the world, it don't matter where you're from, let them know we gon' rise up. And never let them tell you what you can or you can't do, make them understand we gon' rise up. No chains on my mental, no chains on my crime, big dreams, nothing little, we gon' rise up. Uh, so let's rise. That was hip-hop MC Morgan Cooper, who goes by Barrelmaker. You can see Barrelmaker perform live at Stockyard Brewery in the West Bottoms on July 28th. This episode of Ghost Notes is the first in a six-series collaboration with KCUR 89.3. We're releasing episodes throughout the summer that pair with live performance videos of our guests at KCUR 89.3. This series is called Something to Watch, and you can watch the video of Barrelmaker and our future Something to Watch guests at KCUR's Facebook page and YouTube page. And you can listen to bite-sized versions of our Something to Watch episodes live on KCUR 89.3's Central Standard at about 10.45 in the morning on the day that we release the episodes. 
Ghost Notes is produced by Matt Hodap. Our theme music was composed by Jamie Searle. Matt Sullivan runs our website. And I am Hannah Copeland. You can reach me about anything involving Ghost Notes, or really anything at all, at ghostnotespodcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook page, Fountain City Frequency. Next week, it's the band Yes You Are. This is Ghost Notes. Thanks for listening.